Welcome to Miyagi Mornings Weekly Recap, a podcast version of our daily video series, Miyagi Mornings. Links to the video version of each segment can be found in the show notes for this episode. These recap episodes are part of the Survival Podcast feed, but are numbered independently as a special weekly edition of our show in all podcast feeds. How's revenge? Daniel San, you look revenge that way. Start by digging to a grave. Walk right side, safe. Walk left side, safe. Walk middle, sooner or later, get the squish just like grape. Hey folks, Jack Spierko here with the first episode of Miyagi Mornings. That's what we're going to call it. And I'm just going to kind of give you an overview of what it's going to be today. And I'm, I'm trying to commit at least through the end of the year, at least I should say till my winter shutdown. I shut down from Christmas to New Year's uh, every year and spend it with my family. At least till then, this will be a daily segment. Uh, this idea came up during uh, the workshop I just did at my property here. And... Uh, my students come here we had about 80 total people here this time and they come here and they always leave inspired with things that they want to do and they always leave me feeling inspired this year i think because you know over the last year and a half a half i really reclaimed my health um dropping over 60 pounds uh, and i uh you know made a made a, a consorted effort as much as i enjoy being with people to go to bed at i what i consider a reasonable hour during an event like that you know like one o'clock in the morning uh, I think maybe I got more out of it this time. And the mix of people we had was really good. And I left incredibly inspired. Uh, specifically by the talks of two people with a feeling that I need to be doing more. Not necessarily more for me and, and, and my family and my backyard, but more for y'all. That I just need to put more out there and put more effort. That You know, I spent 12 and a half years gaining the influence that I have. And then that is an incredible... Uh, amount of power that you have when you are an influencer today you can be just a redneck hippie duck farmer but if you if you do things right for long enough you get to the point where you actually can influence things now, maybe you don't change the world but you can change the world for people and to me that that's a uh, that's a responsibility and it needs to be effectively used so i'm going to try to exercise through that the other thing i'm going to be trying to accomplish is as the cat joins us i, I keep hearing this shit you know me, we, and parlor are just right-wing conspiracy echo chambers and stuff like that, you know? A, a social media, and that's kind of the subject of today's topic as well, is, uh, but a social media platform is nothing but like a service that you communicate with other people on. In some ways, it's not much different than what a phone was in 1980. You picked up the phone and you called somebody if you called your crazy Uncle Lou that was a 1984 version or 1986 version of Alex Jones, you got conspiracy theories. If you called your your cousin Dan, who was a right-wing Republican, shrieking about Reagan, then that's what you got. If you called somebody that was a left-wing liberal, then that's what you got. Most of the time, you didn't do any of that shit. You called your friends to talk about things that you found interesting. And it's probably the case that politics were a fairly small component of the times you picked up the phone and called somebody now if you're my age you were a little kid but think about your parents right your parents when they got on the phone in the 1980s they didn't they didn't sit there shrieking with each other you know especially long distance when it was a quarter or 40 cents a minute like when somebody called long distance man you you dropped what you were doing and you talked to them today we're spoiled we can talk to anybody that we want about anything that we want anywhere that we want 
with no consequences. That's why there's so much politics in these discussions today. Because you can, you can tell somebody off, you can say things to them that you'd never say to them in their face, and then you can avoid getting punched in the head. Right? So that's why it's that way. So I'm doing this to provide content to places like Parlor and MeWe and any other place that I want to go. Because let me say something else about this. I kind of feel like this whole shit about, well, what if they, or what if they do this, or what if they do that? I look at that like back when I used to have a J-O-B and I'd be looking for a job and a boss would tell me anything that was remotely threatening to my job. I would take that shit. They're really going to do this and you don't want me here and I'll go somewhere else or I'm going to take that little threat away from you. And I would just simply say, I was looking for a job when I found this one. Now, changing a job, you know, especially if you lose one, you need one right away. And I was broke back then, has consequences. But I was fearless with it. You know what? Never happened. I never said that once. I'm like, well, didn't get out of here. Now, I would have. I would have left, right? It's a lot easier to just say, I'm not going to spend my time on Twitter. I'm going to spend it on Parlor. I'm not going to spend it on Facebook. I'm going to spend it on MeWe. And if you don't want it to be about politics, then don't talk about politics. You know, when you get on friggin' Parlor, don't immediately follow Fox News, the Bongino Report, and Tucker Carlson if you don't want to hear about politics. And then bitch that it's all about politics. Get on there and look for hashtag TSP Friends. Find people there. I'm going to keep putting this stuff out so we can talk about it. Now, I do want to be clear about one thing with Miyagi Mornings. Actually, two. I'm going to keep it under seven minutes. I thought five, but seven seems right to me. Um, but when I say no politics, it doesn't mean we won't talk about liberty. I mean, right now we're talking about social media platforms. And you could make that political if you want to. Like, that's the other fucking problem. That, oh, by the way, I'm going to fucking cuss in, in Miyagi mornings. The other problem that we have is that everybody wants to make everything political. You say something and somebody ties it to politics. Like, if you don't want that in your conversation, don't do that shit. So we'll talk about liberty, but that's not political. We'll talk about the freedom that a garden gives you. That's not political. There's so many things that we'll talk about that if, if you want to bend over backwards to make it political, you'll be able to do that. But I want to kind of start another trend. How about this? How about all y'all start posting shit on Parlor that are on Parlor? If you don't go crying and whining and bitching in the comments, you don't like Parlor. Well, then don't. You're not included. If you're on Parlor, hashtag no politics. And not against politics, just this post doesn't have it. MeWe, hashtags work too. Hashtag no politics. Just hashtag no politics. So when people say, you can't politically right wing echo chamber, you can just go go there and click on this tag. Anyway, if you guys want to participate in this, send me an email, jack at the survivalpodcast.com. Put Miyagi mornings in the subject line and tell me something you want to talk about. And don't tell me any political bullshit because I'll delete your email. With that, kept it well under six minutes, this first one. And we will be coming at you with Miyagi mornings at least every day up until our winter shutdown. And I have a feeling we'll be going to 2021, too. Might get pretty damn cold out here, though. We'll see. No microphone today. It wasn't working. I didn't have time to fix it. That's the other thing about Miyagi mornings. Whatever it takes, it's going to happen. Catch you later. Well, good morning, all, and welcome to Miyagi Mornings, episode two. Like I said, we'll be doing these daily at least through the end of the year or until my Christmas holiday slash shutdown, right? And um, yesterday, I, I, I really thought I knew what today's Miyagi Mornings would be. And for those that are new to the concept Miyagi Mornings, there's a pond over here. I call it Miyagi Pond because the way we built it, I'm not claiming to be Mr. Miyagi or anything. And usually the pond or the gardens are behind me, but the sun got into a place today where it's like messing up this shot. So we're just a little bit off of the Miyagi, but I can see it. Trust me, it's there. Anyway, I thought I knew what I was going to talk about today. I was going to talk about a marketing concept today. 
because of something that happened at my workshop recently. But there was a comment yesterday on YouTube for the first episode of this that took me back to many times when things like this have happened. And um, it's one of these humbling things that makes me very, very sad. And it makes me very grateful at the same time. Um, and I'm not going to go into detail because whoever made this comment went into some pretty specific detail and then the comment disappeared. And, and I'm thinking that that person decided they didn't want to be that public with it. But basically there was a person that was dealing with some weight issues and being homeless and uh, was going to take their own life. And at a point where they were right to the end and going to do it, they asked themselves, is this how my dash ends? And I've been talking about making the most of your dash for a long time. It's a freaking aircraft come back around, you know? It's like they know, seriously. Anyway, I've been talking about making the most of your dash. And the other thing that person said was the concept of what you do matters. And they put their life back together. They've lost a lot of weight. You know, everything's not perfect, but they have hope. And hope's what it's all about. See, when you don't have hope, that's when you're willing to take your own life. Anybody says that they would never take their own life doesn't know what it is to be hopeless. You know, I've had people ask me that, well, would you? And the answer is, I don't know if I would, but I can tell you when I would consider it, for instance. Let's say that I had a terminal form of cancer. I have exhausted all treatment options. I am in miserable pain. And the only thing that wastes me is more pain and eventual death. I've got a few weeks to go, but it's gonna be painful and it's just gonna be more painful every day. And I'm gonna waste away and shit all over myself. Would I take my own life at that point? I don't know, but I know I'd consider it. The reason I say I don't know is I haven't been there, thankfully. And hopefully I won't, but we don't know. We all die, and some of us die that way. So that 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 would take a person like me, who's so strong on the preservation of life, and make me say, hey, well, what's the point? I have no hope. And when you lose hope, that's where everything goes sideways. I'm saddened, inspired, and humbled by the fact that the phrase that I've made into one of my laws of life, what you do matters, has saved lives. I'm inspired because that means there's people walking around alive today because of something I said. I'm saddened because why does a redneck hippie duck farmer with a podcast have to be the one to say this to our people? This has been taken from our children. They don't think what they do matters anymore. They're, they're being taught to be helpless. See, when you rely on somebody else to fix all your problems, you end up feeling helpless. When you're told you're super special your whole life, but when you get old enough to figure it out, you find out you're just like everybody else, and you don't understand the gifts that you have because you've been amalgamated to be like everybody else, you feel like what you do doesn't matter. And that doesn't mean everybody that feels that way is gonna reach this point. But if you reach this point, and no one's ever told you that what you do matters, that no one's ever believed in you that what you do matters. You're a lot more likely to pull the trigger or swallow the pills or slit your wrist. This is not a new phenomenon for me. One day, I had two people walk up to me and tell me similar stories. One was a lady. These were both at a trade show, standing in front of people as though they weren't there because it meant that much to them. A lady who had just lost everything in her life she was able to put it back together because of what we teach with lifestyle design and preparedness. But she had reached a point where she thought, this isn't, this isn't worth doing anymore. And another man came up to me just about an hour later. This is years ago. And I've heard this so many times. Veteran, 
came home, couldn't put his life back together, got into using a lot of alcohol, had two kids, divorced father, only saw him on weekends type of thing, laid in bed with his gun in his mouth, 45, hammer cocked. And he thought, even thinking of his kids, he thought, they'll be better off without me. He said there's one thing that wouldn't go away. Over and over and over and over, my voice saying, what you do matters. What you do matters. What you do matters. And the truth is, it's not because I'm special. It's not because that phrase is that powerful in of itself. A person at that point is looking for a reason. They're, they're crying out. They're begging for a reason to not do it. Nobody really wants to do this. But here's my point, my bigger point. Because you might be thinking, well, I'm not going to do this. How many things don't you do because of this stuff? For every person that it pushes to the extreme, it emasculates and it disempowers men like crazy. It disempowers women. It takes away what being a woman really is from them. There's so much in this. And I know I said I wouldn't get political. This isn't political. The truth is not political. I don't care who the hell's in charge of anything. It's not going to change this because this is actual truth. What you do matters and what you don't do also matters. When you think I should get up today and go out and take a walk instead of just plop into my desk chair and start work and you don't do it, that matters as much that you didn't do it as it would matter conversely if you did. When you think to yourself, I really should plant a garden for my family and myself, and you don't do it, it matters as much as if you did, just in the negative. When you think I should start a business, but you don't, it matters just as much as it would if you did, except to the negative. What you do matters. If no one's ever told you that before, or if you've forgotten that's the, 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 the truth, one more time, what you do matters. Today's episode of the podcast will be on adaptation as a form of resistance. It will tie nicely with this. You can find it at the survivalpodcast.com. Assuming you're watching this the day that it was published, uh, it will go live around two o'clock in the afternoon. Don't remember the episode number, so you'll have to look for it. Uh, but anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed these. Remember, if you want to contribute to Miyagi Mornings, there's a subject you want me to talk on. Nothing's off limits except politics, permaculture, diet, natural systems, philosophy, business, marketing. I don't care. Whatever it is I can help you with, I'll try to help you with from the backyard. But remember, what you do matters, including subscribing to this channel. So please do that for me. Take care. Hey guys, Jack Spierko here with another episode of Miyagi Mornings, episode three to be exact. Remember, we'll be doing these every day, at least through the end of the year. I probably will keep doing them if you guys keep watching them, commenting on them, and sharing them. I do this because as a podcaster, I'm putting out an hour and a half of content a day on average, and not everybody has time for that. And not everybody can share a podcast like that with somebody and get them to listen. So I figured if you have something like this, maybe you can share it with those resistant people in your life. And get them to listen to the one subject that they might be interested in and maybe get open up to this entire concept of lifestyle design preparedness, resiliency, and non-brittleness that we teach at TSP. Anyway, today's subject is on diet and nutrition. It involves ketogenic dieting and it involves gardening. So you know I'm going to love it. But before I do that, I just want to let you guys know what the podcast will be about today. You know I keep saying about the cities, get out, get out, get out, get out. And I have a guest who did get out. And instead of telling me why it's such a bad idea, I thought it'd be a great idea to bring somebody on who was living in a city, figured out how to get out, got out, 
and what it has done to change his life for the better. That episode will go live today, sometime around 3 or 4 o'clock. Look at the date of publication, because I could be speaking to you from the past. All right, now here's the question that I had today. It was simply put, Jack, now that you are ketogenic, and I am, that's why I'm nice and skinny in spite of this big giant jacket that makes me look like I'm not. Now that you're ketogenic, do you still grow vegetables and things in your garden that are carbohydrate crops and non-ketogenic? And if so, why? Now this person's smart. They watch my videos. They've seen me go, look at all the sweet potato. Look at the giant orange squash the size of my entire leg. Pure in flesh all the way down to the bulb where the seeds are. And they know the answer to this question is, yes, I do. I still grow carbohydrate uh, crops. Do I hear the keto SWAT team about to come steal my keto card away from me? No. Here's why. I don't quote a lot of Star Trek stuff, but I do quote this one quite often. Only the Sith deal in absolutes. I live a ketogenic lifestyle, and because of that, my hands are not fat anymore. According to the the AMA, I should just keel over and die any second of a heart attack. No, that was likely to happen when I weighed almost 280 pounds, and uh, it looked like my wedding ring was going to cut my finger in half, whereas this winter, I had to stop wearing my ring until I got it resized because it fell off into my pond, and I was fortunate that I could recover it because I'd lost so much weight. And I think I look pretty good. So ketogenic to me, I agree with Dr. Ken Berry when he says it is not a fad diet or the ketogenic diet. What it really is is the proper human diet. We live for most of humanity walking through the woods, hunter-gathering, and if we saw something moving that we could club, stab, or beat, or in some other way incapacitate, cut open and consume it, and all of it, its, its flesh and its organs, which were rife with fat, That's what we did. It made our brains bigger than any other species on the planet, and it made us into the human beings that we are. It's only about 10,000 years ago that we started shoving cereal grain in our face because there's nowhere in nature that you will find a wheat field or a barley field or a potato field. However, as we walked around, we occasionally found a tuber, and we ate that shit. Or we occasionally came by a tree full of figs, and we ate those. They didn't store well, right? So we didn't have huge stockpiles of them. The lifestyle that we led really didn't lend itself to having huge stockpiles of anything. Maybe little caches of survival rations, okay? That's one reason I, I, I do this, because it mimics what we did with the proper human diet. I don't go to the store and buy carbohydrate crops. I grow some. That means I get some, and then they're gone. I also do it because they're a great survival ration. The sweet potato... And the uh, squash that I grow, the neck pumpkins, those store with no refrigeration for half a year, at least. And I'm able to use them to grow more next year. So as a survivalist, I want a survival crop, something I can rely on if some other things fail. Next up, I was a purist while losing the weight, while being extremely obese, while having my lab results look like I was about to literally die, being in full-blown metabolic syndrome. And I think if that's where you are, if you are extensively overweight, you know, where you need to lose more than 20 pounds, no matter what your weight is, if you need to lose, not that will make you optimum, but you need to lose at least 20 pounds or you're going to die, if you've been living addicted to carbohydrates your whole life, when you go keto... You should go Nazi keto. You absolutely should. For about three to four months. Because you're an addict. Let me say it again. You are an addict. Sugar is addictive. 
When I went full on keto, what I did was wean myself off my drinking because I liked my drinks. So for about a week and a half, I had one drink at the end of the day. And I mean end of the day. Probably too late in the day for intermittent fasting and all, but it was my way of coping. Then I got on the LaCroix uh, sparkling waters, and I drank no alcohol for three months. Zero. Maybe if we went to a restaurant, every third time I'd have one margarita. Usually I drank sparkling water. So I cleaned that up, and I was ultra keto. I had my little app on my phone. I have a whole series of videos you can look up. They're about 20 minutes long a piece, and it goes through everything. You can watch me change physically throughout this process. And I was regimented. I tracked calories. I tracked macro and micronutrients. I tracked everything. I tracked the amount of water I drank. When I made my dinner, I pre-programmed it into my app and made sure the macros were right. And then I did it. You know why? Because I was an addict and I needed to break my addiction. Now, if you just would like to get a little bit healthier and you realize that keto is the way to do that and you go keto, you can do what I do now right from the get-go. Maybe go a month before you do, but then you can just do it. What I do is this. About once every two to three weeks, I have something that's not quite keto. It's also not garbage. It's not a Twinkie. It's not a brownie. It's not any of that shit. It'll be something like a purple sweet potato. And I do it more in the winter than I do in the summer and the spring and the fall. And why? Because when we were hunter-gatherers and the game got a little more scarce, that's probably when we relied on it. So much like the hunter-gatherer might have been going along and eventually found a tuber, yanked it out of the ground, threw it in the fire and roasted it and ate it, that's what I'm doing. So tomorrow, not tomorrow, Sunday, one of my best friends is coming over with his wife. I'm going to make some amazing, totally keto sausage. It's elk sausage and rattlesnake sausage. Yes, I eat rattlesnake. And we're going to eat that together. And we're going to have some twice-fried Japanese purple sweet potato. I'm going to have one pretty good-sized potato. It's going to be split between four people. I'll do that. Will it knock me out of ketosis? Yes. And you know what? By the next day, I'll be back in. And I won't do it again for several weeks. So that's the why, the rationale, and what's going on. With that, I hope you enjoyed this. Please share this. If you know someone that could benefit from the ketogenic lifestyle or benefit from my philosophy of lifestyle design, share this video with them. Please put it out on all your social media platforms. Remember, you won't find me on Facebook because those bastards censor content. You won't find me on Twitter because those bastards censor content. You want to know where to find me? Go to the survivalpodcast.com. Click on Get Social. Subscribe to this channel. Click the alerts. And hey... You know what? This is good on YouTube. It'd be better if you were overwatching it on Odyssey where it's on the blockchain and no one can ever take it away. Don't think they won't. Trust me, the American Medical, Associ American Medical Association doesn't like the truth that we're spewing on this dietary thing. More on that in the future. Take care. Well, good, mor <clears throat> Sorry, good morning, folks. Welcome to Yagi Mornings, Episode 4. Since the sun is in an overcast mode today and I'm a little earlier out... We can actually be in front of the Miyagi. I unplugged the pumps there so it's not making a bunch of noise for you while it goes on. But I'm sure our friends in the F-35 jets will come straight to me at some point during this short video. Uh, I just want to let you know, if you watch my podcast, today's podcast will be uh, 2778, I believe. Episode 2778. Uh, date of publication will be date of this video, which I don't know. It's November something. It might be the 20th today. And it will be all about cryptocurrency from kind of an on-ramp newbie, I don't know what I'm doing yet, question level. I was also listed in social media. It's another reason to follow me on like Parler or MeWe. 
you might get to participate in shows that others might not know about and to watch my videos, not just on YouTube, but Odyssey, where you can tip me in LBC coin and find other really cool, great creators that believe in freedom and liberty. So today's episode of Miyagi Mornings was created the day this idea came to me to do these Miyagi Mornings. It was going to be my first one and some other things came up. And I feel like now the time is right. So we just did a big workshop. I had 80 people at my place for four days partying into the wee hours of the morning, ignoring COVID lockdowns. And you know what happened? Absolutely nothing. Everybody had a fabulous time. And during this, on the last day of the workshop, one of my presenters, one of my best presenters was Jessica Dixie Mills. She came up and she presented an amazing presentation called Life Lessons from the Trail. For those who don't know of Dixie, she's hiked the Pacific Rim Trail, the Central, the Continental Divide Trail, and the Appalachian Trail. It's called the Triple Crown of Hiking. It is a big achievement in the world of hiking. And she's learned a lot about life, not just about hiking and living in the backwoods, but life. And she's been teaching these life lessons in various ways, specifically teaching about those gear, you know, hiking all of it on her YouTube channel for a long time. So she did this and toward the end of her presentation, she played a video that I'll link to in the video notes for you guys so you can see it. It's really emotional and uh, it's really inspirational. <clears throat> and there was a whole lot of, uh, I got something in my eye going on while this thing was going on. And it, it's, it, it's so real and it's so authentic and i know dixie i've met her she's been here a couple times now um i've interviewed her and uh she's been a follower of mine i think since like 2014 or something like that and i know that that person in that video is the person that if you ever meet her you will meet i know that and it made a word come into my mind that when i say it you're gonna be like what unless you were here and you know where i'm going with it you're gonna be like why the hell does he feel that way um Give me a second when I give you this word. It has nothing to do with her personally. The word is contempt. While I was watching that video, I thought over and over about contempt. My contempt for totally different people. See, I used to be in <clears throat> kind of internet marketing, marketing, consulting, branding. That was my world. We represented companies who were, you know, half a million dollar year companies. And we represented companies who were $50 million year companies. One of our clients was actually... Trump University, as Donald Trump was one of my clients. And so that would be the upper end, and then there was all kinds of size companies in between. Well, they all had something in common that happened over and over again. Understand, this is back in like 05, 06, right? When going viral was getting dug, and people were just trying to sort this out. Brands and companies had just figured out, hey, we need to pay attention to social media. This is not just for kids and, and what have you. So every place I would go into, and sit down at a really expensive conference table with self-important assholes wearing suits. I heard the same phrase over and over again. What are your tips and tricks? 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 You might be wondering, why does that torque, torque me off so much? They wanted what she has. They wanted what Dixie Mills has. They wanted what I have. They wanted with, with other great creators of, of content and social media from Instagram to Facebook to, you know, YouTube, all over the, the web today, TikTok, etc. They wanted what they had. <clears throat> they didn't want to earn it, though. At the time, <clears throat> this company, I was the president and, and an owner in the company, but I had several other partners in it. And it's the only thing you're going to hear some words here, pretty harsh adult language in a second. Right. It is the only thing that kept me from telling these people Go fuck yourself, you self-important dickhead. No, I won't give you tips and tricks. 
go fuck off and get up and walking out. The only thing that kept me professional while I was thinking that over and over and over again, it's a big part of why I left, was the other people that depended on me. The employees that we had that depended on me to bring that business in. So I'd smile and nod and I'd try to re-educate and whatever. But that's all I could think of. You, you fucking assholes. Because you know what you're saying to me when you say tips and tricks? And you're trying to brand yourself the way that we brand ourselves on social media? How do I make these stupid fucks out there think I give a shit about them and care about me even though all I want is their money? That's what those words mean. That's what tips and tricks mean when people like that say them. Because they didn't understand what they were asking for. Another example of a really great creator on YouTube is uh, Corey from Aquarium Co-op. I was at a trade show about a year, year and a half ago now called uh, Aquashella in Dallas. And I watched this guy stand on his feet all day long for three days. People lined up like he was a celebrity. Because to them he is. And I was talking to a guy that was running another booth. And uh, this guy's nothing wrong with this guy or nothing. Just he didn't get it. He goes... It's amazing to me that those people will stand there all day. And I said, he'll, he'll stand there all day because they know he will. And he's like, what? They know that he'll stand there all day. They know him from his channel. They know that when they come to see him, they may only get to talk to him for 30 to 40 seconds because of the line. But they know he will stay there. And he will be there. He promised them he would be there, that they would get to meet him. And because he'll stand there, they'll stand there. God didn't get it. And you know what? He'll never have this. You can't trick people into loving you. Or I should say you shouldn't. You can't trick people into caring about you. You know, a lot of people will say Jack Spiracle's a dick. Jack Spiracle's an asshole. Jack Spiracle's a jerk in both good ways and bad ways. But they'll never say that you can't trust me. They'll say it could be wrong, but they won't say you can't trust me because I'm always authentic. If you want to build success in this world today, my primary advice, whoever you are, don't try to be anybody else. Be authentic because someday your authentic self will come out. And if what you've built has been built upon the sticks of inauthenticity, then that big tent you created will collapse and everybody will leave you behind. If you're authentic, if you love your people and they love you, no matter what comes out, as long as it's actually you, as long as you don't go out and like freaking shoot up a post office or something, they're not going anywhere. You want to build a brand today, folks? Be authentic. Don't use tips and, trips and uh, tips and tricks. Love your people. Stand for your people. And they'll love for you. And they'll stand for you. Back. Take care. We'll be back tomorrow. Remember, if you want to submit something for Miyagi Mornings, Send an email to jack at the survivalpodcast.com. Miyagi Mornings in the subject line. Ask me a question or something to speak on. Everything is up for grabs except no politics. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode five of Miyagi Mornings as we complete the first week of this new segment. Uh, and Billy Roy Bob uh, has set us off with a great start with a mighty crow. He's developing his rooster vocals. Um, Today I wanted to let you know before we start that Miyagi Mornings will be its own episode of TSP Podcast. You tell them, Billy Roy. Anyway, so what happens, one of you guys wrote in and said, hey, why don't you just take the audio from all five of these every week, spin them together, make a podcast out of it. I think that guy meant like, give yourself a day off, man. Make that a podcast episode. 
And I thought, that's a good idea, but it doesn't really fit with what I'm doing here. Remember, I started this segment and some other initiatives going into this winter after my workshop because I felt I needed to be doing more, not less. This lets me do more and make more out of more, which is really, really cool. So on to today's uh, subject. This came from a viewer of Miyagi Mornings, and they wanted to know some ideas for some crops to start out with as a new green, greenhouse grower. All right, so... I could take this question a hundred ways. I've done entire shows on it, but I'm going to take it to mean I bought a greenhouse. I set it up. It's freestanding. It's not artificially heated. It's not some super mega awesome double insulated back wall greenhouse with a compost uh, heap supplemental heating to it. It's not got a, a thermostatically controlled heater uh, running propane. It is a greenhouse that I bought or built that is a freestanding structure that light can get into. So what do you grow in a greenhouse like that? This bothers some people when they hear it, but you need to grow stuff in there that would probably survive if it wasn't in there at the temperatures you're going to reach. And the reason is, whatever the temperature is outside of your greenhouse at night, so shall the temperature be on the inside of your greenhouse at night. Now, there are some things the greenhouse will help with with survival and thriving of plants through the cold nights. Beyond when, the, of course, here comes another airplane. This is not a jet this time. Beyond just the warmth of the sun during the day when you get the passive solar gain. Uh, mainly this will be with settling of frost onto the plants. It can also be with mist and, and snow and other things like that. Boy, Billy Roy's on it today. But in general, if it's 24 degrees outside at 3 o'clock in the morning when there's no sun, the temperature inside your greenhouse, unless you do something about it to supplementally heat it, is going to be 24 degrees. So I'm coming at this today from that being the case. Maybe we'll do some segments in the future, how to supplementally heat a greenhouse, how to build a thermal battery. But today, boom, done. So here's the rules for this. Number one, you want to plant things that can survive a frost. Number two, you want to get those plants hardened off and up to kind of a sub-adult size at least before the cold fully comes. Okay, so when you have these days that are like, 28 degrees for the high, and you're starting little seedlings in your greenhouse, it's rough on them. You're asking a lot. If you look at seedling germination, days to germination, you'll see that that varies. I think we just had a hawk fly by, and Billy was upset. Anyway, you'll see, like, it says, like, you know, seven days of germination. But if you dig deeper, you'll see, like, well, that's with 70-degree soil. And as the soil temperature goes down, even seeds that will germinate in really cold soil, it'll go down, like, take, like, 60 days to germinate. And that, that's going to affect the entire growth cycle. So the, the, the best strategy with greenhouse growing in really cold climates, me, I can get away with all kinds of crap in my greenhouse. I, I do hydroponics, and uh, I grow lettuce and arugula and stuff like that all, all winter long. I can grow that stuff outside all winter long. It just grows faster in there. But if we want to get a greenhouse kind of really rolling so that we have harvest that we can do all season, think of it like live refrigeration. Okay, so if we take some greens we buy at a store, and we bring them home, we set them on the counter, and we take the same greens and we put them in the refrigerator, they last longer in the refrigerator. That's why we put them in the refrigerator in the first place. Okay, They don't spoil, they just last longer. They, it takes them longer to fully die. We cut it, and the dying process begins, right? And eventually when it's fully dead, it wilts, and it's not very tasty anymore, and then we throw it in the compost and give it to the chickens. So with a greenhouse, do we put this on steroids? 
So now we have a somewhat cold environment that's warmer during the day, and the plants kind of go into like a stasis in really cold climate. So we have our, our cold crops, our broccolis, our cauliflowers, uh, our leaf crops like arugulas and lettuces and spinach. That's the stuff to start with. Carrot is a fantastic crop. It's actually kind of good. You get it up to a certain size, it gets really cold, it stays alive, it stays fresh, and it doesn't grow very fast, so it doesn't turn into like some weird-looking genetically... You know, if you remember Gilligan's Island where they got the irradiated seeds and the carrots look like udders of a cow, like carrots actually do kind of that stuff if you allow them to, to, to get to grow too long and to get too big. So that's where I would start. All things that can generally survive a frost and get them going now. If you start doing supplemental heat and all, one thing I'll add though is really think hard before you're like, well, I'm going to grow tomatoes, I'm going to grow peppers. Are you going to manually pollinate? Anything that needs pollination, you either need to grow kind of like a greenhouse hybrid variety. Hybrid's not a bad word. We're not going to go there today. Hybrid does not mean GMO, though, okay? That is designed to grow in a hothouse. This is designed to be self-pollinating. Some plants actually, like there's cucumber varieties. They do very well in greenhouses, even without a lot of pollination. You take a rig like a park straight eight, throw it in a greenhouse through the winter, you got no pollinators. I suggest you get in there with a Q-tip and start finding male and female flowers and doing it yourself because it ain't going to happen. So you got to think about that, too, if you're going to do those things. But that's why all of the coal crops, the broccolis, the, the kales, the, the Brussels sprouts, and all the leaf crops like lettuces and spinaches and arugula do very well. They don't require that. And we actually like cooler temperatures for them because you plant lettuce in Texas in August and it goes and it makes a giant spooch out of it and it makes it seed and then it's not good to eat. But you do it this time of year and all through the winter and you get delicious, tasty, crispy lettuce spinach, etc. Same thing. Swiss chard, fantastic greenhouse crop. Just look at the things that would generally survive, you know, maybe not the ice storm or the snowstorm, but the cold. Things that can handle 20 degrees temperatures in the 20s. And most of those things will live in your greenhouse. Conversely, a lot of things are kind of cold weather crops but can't quite handle a frost. I've tried doing things like growing snow peas and snap peas in a greenhouse early in the spring. And generally without supplemental heat, you get one really cold night. Like, they'll, they're fine. Like, it gets down to like 28. They're like, yeah, whatever, man, rock on. You get one night where it drops down to like 17. They're like, ah, that's it. I'm out, boss. And they're all dead. So maybe in the future we'll do an episode where we talk about supplemental methods of heating greenhouses and ways to cheat this. But if you've just bought a kid or put together a greenhouse, realize that the advantage that you have is protection from frost fall and things like that, protection from the elements, and warm days. You still get like midsummer days on some days in the winter and you get more co2 you get more rapid growth rates and you get the ability to kind of bring those crops up to almost maturity and then through the depths of winter kind of hold them there in almost like a stasis with that we've wrapped up a week remember if you want this in podcast format you can get it on saturday mornings i'll be putting it out all five of them put together and these individual ones i've made them so you can share them with other people who won't sit through an hour and a half of me blabbing on a podcast Really hope you enjoyed today's episode. I want more of your feedback. Send your feedback to Jack at the Survival Podcast. Put Miyagi Mornings in the subject line. That'll bring it to my attention, and I will try to get your segment into a future episode. Thank you for a great week, and have a great weekend, my friends. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Miyagi Morning Recap. Remember, I do Miyagi Mornings to create short and shareable content for your friends and family who may not be up to listening to an entire podcast. Each of these segments from today's show is only five to eight minutes long and can be shared as both YouTube or Odyssey videos. Links to the video files for each segment are in today's show notes. If you want to submit a question for Miyagi Mornings, just email jack at the survivalpodcast.com. 
with Miyagi Mornings in the subject line. All subjects other than politics are welcome for this special series.